Hey there, I'm Scott, and this is Tangents. Well, this morning I have a little more time than I normally do. Um, hopefully, won't need it. But uh, you know, if there's noise outside, I can at least pause and edit that out. I'm sorry for that last time. I just, uh, yeah, timing constraints are a pain in the ass. So. We're very close to the Democratic National Convention, uh, such as it will be this year. It's uh, the 14th of August, 2020. And I have some thoughts. Yeah. I have to say, um, Kamala Harris being the VP pick, not super thrilled about it. But on the other hand, you know, she could have been another Tim Kaine. Would have been super easy to just pick some nobody governor that uh, just, yeah isn't going to add anything and isn't much of a threat. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of hers, that being said. Uh, and then I, there, there have been a lot of think pieces recently about, well, you know, given that she was a black woman in politics, she had to, you know, just railroad a bunch of people into prison uh, because it wouldn't have been politically expedient for her not to. Um, this, to me, is not really a great excuse. I mean, it's not, um, call me crazy. Um, I understand politics being what they are and reality being what it is. You can't do everything. You can't, um, you know, the kinds of stuff that I do and say online probably somewhat precludes me from having a political career. And I understand, like, I see people playing the game and doing things right and seems to work, you know, and I see people not doing it. And there are people like Bernie who generally stand on principles and have had a career, but they still are subject to this kind of stuff. But I just don't, I don't see it as an excuse, you know, I mean, ruining people's lives, you know, because it's expedient and you wouldn't be a senator if you didn't do this, then maybe you shouldn't be a senator. I don't know. Um, I, I, I certainly, that being said, yeah, not the worst person. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time like picking at her or the ticket, uh, much as I dislike, uh, you know, the Biden thing too. Uh, you know, Trump is terrible, and he's worse. I, I do believe I have. I know people who argue various ways. He is worse than Biden and Harris. Um, but yeah, it's just so, it, it bothers me that like, yeah, he's worse, but there's not that much where you can say, yeah, they're so much better, you know? And again, I, I understand like Trump, I, I've talked about this many times. You can enumerate even a fraction of the things that Trump has done. And it, it just sounds like you're making shit up. Even when you are familiar with this stuff, there's so much of it and it is so over the top and so awful that it seems inconceivable that one person could be this bad. And then you look at all of the people who he's appointed um, and especially now we have all of these, these appointments that didn't go through congressional approval, sort of temporary, you know, he's found a lot of loopholes, basically. Um, but these are things, these are things where really, like, if I was running things, I think, 
as soon as the Democrats get in charge of stuff, um, the thing to do would be close those loopholes. Now, the problem is, of course, the Democrats are just as guilty of putting those there as the Republicans. And when we're president, you know, it's like, well, we kind of like having a lot of executive power, so we're not going to curtail it any. Uh, not thinking that, you know, you do this and keep ratcheting it up, and at a certain point you get Trump, and at a certain point potentially you get worse. But I do want to talk a little bit about the Democrats, and especially the convention is coming up. And in the convention, um, I, I kind of want to intentionally mispronounce the guy's name, John Kasich. Uh, no, but this guy, uh, governor of Ohio, has you know he signed the most restrictive, most like really worst conceivable at the point, um, abortion ban. And uh, if, if there's any question, I'm super, super pro-choice. Um, yeah, I, I hate this reductio ad infanticidium thing that the Republicans use. It's such bullshit. And it, it has no foundation in fact or ethics. Uh, these people use this to justify voting for Trump. I mean, come on, you can go fuck yourselves. Um, if <laughs> If you can, at, this, at a certain point, you know, you can justify anything this way. I, I have zero respect for you, and I have zero doubt that, like, if you're going to justify to yourself voting for Trump, uh, I do not consider you an ethical or a moral person, however much you may claim that you care so much about the babies, you know, when you have kids in cages and all of this kind of stuff. And again, the kids in cages, yes, this is the thing that sucks right now because Trump is terrible with this, but the policies that let him do that started under Obama-Biden, which, you know, it just is fucking infuriating. Uh, you know, like the Patriot Act, that was not just Republicans doing this. And it's a horrible thing and we keep renewing it. Uh, the Democrats in Congress continually keep funding DHS, which is an institution that should not exist. Uh, it, it's significantly younger than I am, and uh, did pretty well without it. The one thing that, um, I don't know, you look at, you look at 9-11, and in 9-11 about 3,000 people died, which is tragic and terrible, I don't mean to diminish it, but when you look at how many people die, say, in traffic accidents, how many people driving down the road, die. Um, and these are for things very often which are preventable. Yeah. Every year, several times, 9-11 happens on the roads. We could fix that, by and large, for a very small fraction of what we spent to, uh, to try to combat the nebulous threat of terrorism, uh, which is, yeah, I'm not saying it's an imaginary threat, it's real. But the thing about terrorism is that whatever safeguards you put into place, unless you absolutely restrict any kind of freedom, like you're not allowed to associate with anyone or communicate with anyone, everybody is basically in a prison cell. If you don't do that, terrorism is a thing that is just part of the price of living in a free society, just fundamentally. 
And when you start making these decisions, especially based on, and again, 3,000 people and 20 years ago, by the way, 3,000 people, not an insignificant thing, not something, you know, it's very tragic and all of this, but at the same time, compared to all of these other things that we spend so much less money and time and attention on, which we could actually tackle, disgusting. To obsess about this, ruin our country, ruin, like spend trillions of dollars going to war at pe with people who had nothing to do with this. Uh, meanwhile, chumming up with uh, Saudi Arabia, who had something to do with it a little bit, um, you know, so it's not even self-consistent. But that fucking annoys me. And what really annoys me is, again, the Democrats, not great on this. Republicans are worse, but the Democrats are not that much better. And I'm, I'm obsessed. I talk about avoiding even the appearance of impropriety all the time. Um, you know, I, I think generally speaking, like if you are a principled person, if you have ethics and morals, um, if you're going to compromise them, you're basically, you know, they're meaningless. If you're a person who says you stand by something, and this is, this is why all of the reductio ad infanticidium people um, can just kiss my ass, because they're willing to, they, because they have this professed imaginary concern for something, which if you, if you really talk with them and like pick apart what they're concerned about, uh, they, they think about late-term abortions, uh, which are things that basically never happen, and if they do happen uh, in the very small fraction of cases where they do, they are because of some kind of like medical emergency, basically. They're things where it's life-threatening to the mother and potentially the kid as well. So like if you didn't do it, both might die. If you do it, yeah, and you talk to women who've had this, it's not like they're happy about it generally. They're, you know, a lot of times they're people who wanted to have a kid and things just got, you know, pretty fucked up. Um, and, you know, it's just not viable. And then they have these crazy things like re-implantation, re uh, which is not a medical thing. It's not something, it's way beyond our level of technology. But this is in laws of some of these states that are, that have these restrictive anti-abortion, really anti-choice, um, anti-body autonomy laws. And so you get to, to this motherfucker. And the Democrats, again, you know, you have Trump, so we're willing to give you a little leeway. You know, I mean, to be even comparable to this guy, he's so bad, is very difficult. So you have a lot of latitude, is what I'm saying. But at the convention, rather than, they're having AOC speak for one minute and a little pre-recorded thing so that she can't say anything too, uh, too radical or scary. And then they're having this governor of Ohio who signed this fucking thing, Republican guy, speak for longer. I, I, I just can't fucking take it. I don't know why, like I, I swear to God, which is a weird thing for me to say because you know, not religious. And I don't believe the concept even makes sense in principle. But that being said, I fucking swear, like how you can sort of justify to yourself telling people like me, so my, my entire life, as, as soon as I was able to register to vote, I did it. 
as soon as I was able to vote, I did it. Uh, it was a different time also because when I first voted, I had uh, a polling location right next to me, you know, like five minute walk from where I lived. And it took all of five minutes to go in, uh, get my ballot, <laughs> fill it out, put it in. No line at all, no wait. It was just super fucking easy versus today where if you, you know, you go to the polling locations, I, I've never even seen one recently that doesn't have a long line. Now, to be fair, I'm on the permanent early voting list, the Pebble, um, and I highly recommend that you get on that as well. Although right now the Republicans are slowly, systematically dismantling parts of the post office, the postal service, um, partly, partly because they have this horrible Koch-funded thing. The Koch brothers also, incidentally, if you start talking about the things that they've done, you sound like a crazy conspiracy theorist. It's like, it's like the Trump thing. There's so much and it's so over the top that it's just not credible when you start enumerating these things. One of the things that they've done is, you know, try to undermine public institutions like the post office. And there's this, I mean, part of it is because of privatization, um, this fucking insane myth that somehow free enterprise and, uh, you know, having private companies responsible for these things, which are private for-profit companies, uh, having them be in charge of something like that is going to make them better. Not fucking true. Demonstrably not true. This is one of these things that, again, like you look around the world, any place where this has happened, any time where it's happened, um, you have to really struggle. Like if you, if you do some data mining, you can find a couple of examples where things have gotten better. Although usually then there was some horrible systematic problem, but by and large it makes things worse. All it really is, is a way to kind of put control into private hands and take taxpayer money. This is the most fucked up thing is the people like, these are people who always bitch about tax, like spending taxpayer money. And yet they've, in, they've sort of twisted things in a way to funnel as much taxpayer money as possible into wealthy private hands. Uh, yeah, square that circle. But getting, getting back, so the Koch brothers, terrible. One of the things they've done, undermine the, the post office. And it happens to be convenient now to say that, you know, like some places, which are places where Democrats could actually use absentee ballots, in a pandemic where you probably don't want to go vote in person, uh, that we can, you know, well, let's let's fuck up the post office. Let's make things not work very well. Uh, it, it's so transparent, and it it gets that and the Democrats doing certain things really kind of gets to this Maya Angelou quote. Uh, so it's a very famous and well-known one. But when someone shows you who they are believe them the first time, you know? And I mean, like with Trump, the amount of latitude people have given this man, I, I and, and when I say that, I don't just mean his supporters who by and large, I mean, in order to be a Trump supporter, you have to be either ignorant and unaware of the stuff that he's doing beyond reason, like truly beyond reason, or you have to be okay with it. Now, 
you could be okay with it because of the aforementioned reductio ad infanticidium thing. Um, or you could be okay with them because you're actually a fucking racist. Uh, I would argue, I would argue that if you are okay with Trump, um, yeah, you, you're able to excuse the things that he does. Um, this is a case where basically, you know, they're like, oh, I'm not a racist. You know, like, well, if you're okay with it, if you're not fighting it, um, this is a case where really silence um, and especially the ability to give people who are obviously malignant, terrible people, giving them power, basically, in my mind, means you're an ant, at the very best, at the very best, most generous, you're unethical and amoral. And I would say that being unethical means that you know, if you have no ethical bias, no bias towards being ethical, then necessarily you will be unethical. Because if you're not going this way, you know, you're just sort of flopping around, well, sometimes you're gonna end on the wrong side of the line. So it's it, unethical, being unethical is inherently and intrinsically unethical. And similarly, being amoral, you have no moral compass. Uh, you know, sometimes you'll randomly be moral, but sometimes, and again, necessarily, just by chance, you will be immoral. It's, it's necessary uh, if you don't have any bias there. And so unethicality is unethical. Amorality is immoral, um, inherently and intrinsically. And so you get to these people, like this is the best case scenario. The more proper case scenario, and like I, I drive down my street, there's a guy with a, uh, a giant cherry picker and he's got a, a huge American flag hanging from it and then a Trump 2020 sign. Uh, I almost want to take a picture and put it up here, but I don't want to give the guy uh, any kind of advertising at all. Um, so fuck him. I know it's, it's funny, you can just assume it's a dude. I don't know for sure that it's a dude, but you kind of know it's a dude. Uh, but the thing that gets me here, like I, I, I'm sure would not take very much picking of this guy's brain to realize He's probably a giant fucking malignant racist. And also, I mean, you keep going through just the list of horrible things that I can, I can pretty much conclude about the guy. And now I will say, you know, and I'll get back to the convention in a second, but I will say this. It's great if you are someone who somehow voted for Trump in 2016 and you've changed your mind, you've you know, been enlightened somehow. But I would also say if you are that person, if you voted for him, it's not good enough to simply repent and say, you know, like, ooh, my bad. Uh, or even if you didn't vote then, but especially if you actively voted for the guy. It's good to say, okay, I made a mistake, I'm going to correct it. It's not acceptable to just do that though. You should like, honestly, and I am not being unfair or unreasonable here. You should spend the rest of your life trying desperately everything you can to undo some of the damage that you've wrought. Uh, you, it's just that much, you know? Now, and, and I don't think I'm being unreasonable there. You, if you truly realize like how horrible this guy is and what you've done, 
repent for the rest of your life and then maybe, maybe at some point you will have made up for the harm that you've caused. So now, getting back to the Democrats, uh, and, and this drives me insane. Like I, I've talked about this so many times, but again, I voted as soon as I could. I have consistently, like I was registered as a Democrat as soon as I was old enough to vote. I was registered as a Democrat until 2016 after November's election. And I've gone back and forth for various reasons since then. I'm currently no party, but I'm basically, yeah, given the two being the options, it's like, well, there's no way in fucking hell that I, I, I it's an annoying thing, actually. There's almost no way to conceive of a Republican being someone at this point in history who I could vote for, um, which I think, I think fundamentally is actually a huge red flag. It's a sign that something is very wrong. And I understand that there are Republicans who'd say, oh, there's no Democrat that I could vote for. Yeah, I understand you have this kind of like, oh, well, I'm here and I'm just the mirror image of you. No, I'm sorry. One is just fucking wrong. And one, and I'm not saying the Democrats are great, one is much better than the other one. Ish. And the reason I say ish is, again, back to this convention, you have Kizich, um, you know, fucking, fucking Kizich. Um, I'm sorry, I, it's a stupid thing, but it, it makes me a little bit happier to say his name incorrectly. But this motherfucker gets to talk. And honestly, I just, like, there's nothing that I want to hear from this man. There's nothing that he's going to say that is going to enlighten me. There's nothing that he could possibly contribute to the conversation. You have, like, all of these other fucking people, like, Republicans, lifelong Republicans, um, and, and often even, you know, not merely like their family was Republicans, so they were, these are people who are like crazy fucking Republicans who are going to be speaking and who the party is listening to. Um, you have like Project Lincoln. Project Lincoln has some good ads. They have good things against Biden, against Trump, excuse me. But the thing about them is that they're fucking Republicans and Republican now is not like the Lincoln-era Republican. You know, this is after the Southern strategy and many, many decades uh, post-Gingrich and all of this stuff. They're not, not the same fucking people. So you have these people guiding policies for Democrats. The Democrats are sitting here bending over backwards to try to accommodate people who could conceivably vote for Trump or sit the thing out. Meanwhile, they're kicking me in the nuts, saying, you know, like, well, we can't put, despite the fact that Medicare for all, depending on the poll that you look at, uh, overall support for Medicare for all is like the lowest one that I've seen is like 55%. It's above 50%. And I don't mean, you know, among Democrats, I mean, overall support in the population. Uh, healthcare here is so fucked that people have started to realize, oh, maybe this is not such a bad thing. Among Democrats, depending on the poll, uh, I've seen as high as like 90, 95%. Some of them are like in the 80s, but it is strong, overwhelming support. And yet the Democratic Party would not put this in their platform, would not do it. It was, you know, and, and it was an overwhelming vote. It was not like, um, you know, it was not like 
5149. It was a pretty significant thing. And you look at that and you're like, why? Why the fuck? And of course the reason, well, there are two reasons. One is that, you know, they're trying to suck up to the Republicans. The same people who, again, could conceivably vote for Trump. If you're somebody who could conceivably vote for Trump, you don't deserve, I'm sorry, you don't fucking deserve to have anyone bend over to accommodate you. It's fucked. There's no excuse for doing it. Um, now, I'm not saying you should uh, necessarily vote for Biden. I could understand, like, you can't, I can accept somebody who can't vote for either one of them. I'm kind of in that boat. Um, although, yeah, I, I gotta say, like, you know, I, I could see conceivably a situation where I could be tempted to vote for Biden. I don't think I will. Um, I've still, yeah. But it's pretty fucking bad, um, the situation. And the thing, the thing is, like, the main reason that I don't want to and the main reason that I feel like I can't is in 2016, after Bernie lost, I campaigned harder for Hillary than I did for Bernie. I kind of feel bad about that, actually, in retrospect. Like, I spent more time... I, I went out canvassing for him, and I went, you know, phone banking and all this stuff. I did that. That was where I first started becoming kind of politically active in that way. Voted my whole life, but never really was engaged in the process until then. But then he lost, and, you know... There are, I, I see people online who basically think the Democrats like rigged the election. They didn't rig it. Uh, there, there's very, I've seen basically no evidence for that. But what they did do is manipulate things, for example, like the, uh, the superdelegates. So you would see the, the numbers come in about delegate counts. And way before the superdelegates even voted, they were all counting them for Hillary which made it look like she was the overwhelming favorite, which, and, and this is a dumb human nature thing that irritates the shit out of me, but people see that and then it actually makes them go like, eh, I'm not gonna vote because, you know, my vote, this is a fucking weird thing. It's like, oh, I think this person's gonna win, so I'm gonna vote for them. Like, vote for whoever the fuck you wanna vote for. And the idea that you think the person that you like better, who is much better, um, isn't going to win, so you're not going to vote for them. Either you're going to sit at home or vote the other way because you want to be voting for the winner. What the fuck, people? So, yeah, again, don't think that they exactly like manipulated things in a technically illegal way, but definitely was unethical. Um, yeah, definitely also kind of thumb on the scale a little bit. But, yeah, I still... So having seen that, and having been very irritated by it, still went out every week calling and walking in the summer, incidentally. Like, it, it is right now 34 degrees out. Um, it's uh, 8 o'clock in the morning. 34 degrees, I don't know what it is in the devil's units, but it's hot. It's already hot. It's going to be, like, in the mid-40s today. And when you're going out canvassing, and you're hot and sweaty and it's unpleasant. And I gotta say, when you're canvassing for Hillary Clinton in 2016, you don't get a lot of love. You know, I, I, I was going to places, like they were sending me out basically to consistent Democratic voters. And this was one of the reasons, incidentally, why I thought, 
I was concerned, like looking at the 538 numbers, because her chances of winning were variously between losing a coin toss or winning a coin toss, depending on, and winning at Russian roulette. I don't know about you, Russian roulette doesn't seem like a game that I would want to play because one chance in six is way the fuck too high. She was that like, you know, currently Biden's chances, according to the new 538 model, is about two chances in seven, which is less than one in six. You know, I mean, his, his chances of losing, they're worse than Russian roulette is what I'm trying to say. So you look at that and it's like, this should not be reassuring. This should be like, oh shit, how the fuck is it this bad? If you look at the approval ratings for this motherfucker, two things actually. One, um, you know, despite all of this shit with the pandemic, no, number of people who've died, all of the mishandling, all of this terrible stuff, the post office, everything, his approval briefly kind of went down, but then kind of came back up. And if you look at the long-term trend, and I was kind of surprised by this, I always kind of knew that there was a long-term upward trend in his approval and downward trend in his disapproval. Uh, but I always thought it was like after, if you started at a point in 2018, because there was this big thing and then it kind of restored. Um, if you started there, then it definitely, you could see a slope. I didn't realize that if you include his entire presidency, there's still a pretty pronounced slope despite the fact that there's this beginning part where there's a little bit of an offset, um, it, it's actually shocking and staggering because you see the numbers and you look at the graph and you see a lot of noise and stuff. But if you do a best fit line, which I highly recommend you do, you can, it was a pain in the ass to do, I have to say, but 538 has the numbers from their model downloadable as a CSV. I had to do some date conversion because for some reason the date format that they have wasn't something that could import nicely into either Google Sheets or Numbers. But did some good, I, I wrote a tiny like Ruby script, converted that stuff, imported it in, did a best fit line, and it's like, uh, God, you know, it's, it's fucking scary, actually. Um, you know, it's, a, it, it's not like, but it's definitely there. It's a long term kind of people are getting used to him. And as horrible as he is, and the fact that like he's actually getting worse, despite that, people are more and more used to him. They're kind of like, ah, this is just normal. And so they're getting more comfortable with it and caring less. And they're also seeing victories on his side, uh, which, yeah, you know, fucking scary. But this is a thing. Like if you look at the current situation, Trump could very easily win, even without the cheating. And with the cheating, you know, like fucking up the post office and all of this, it's, it's actually like legitimately, legitimately concerning. But again, 2016, I'm going around, I'm knocking doors for Hillary, calling people for her. And again, these are Democrats. These are not like random ass people. Like I, I did talk a lot before then with Republicans and people who were Trump supporters and this kind of stuff. And I heard the horrible things that they thought about her. Yeah, which was another reason why I thought, you know, she's not a fucking slam dunk. Uh, an annoying thing, incidentally, about all of this. At the time, I couldn't find somebody who thought, like, most people were like, ah, Hillary's got it. You know, like, no problem. Today, I talk to people about this and they're like, oh yeah, I totally knew. It's like, did you now? Did you really? And you don't want to make an issue of it, but it irritates me because I actually did. 
Um, and you get these people that are just sort of saying it and maybe they think they did, but clearly it's one of these things where it's like, well, a small percentage of people worried about this then, and now you can't find somebody who says they didn't worry about it then or didn't think it was possible. Something is off. But I'm going out, I'm knocking doors for her, and you talk to people, and the, the, the things that I noticed, the big trends, were first off, they send me to a bunch of neighborhoods where people were kind of pretty low socioeconomic status. They weren't, I mean, they're people who often either rented or owned homes, but modest homes, um, but definitely not super well to do. And you talk about, you talk to them, and first off, a lot of them never saw anyone canvassing. Second, the ones that did basically said, you know, like people come around in the canvas every presidential cycle and they always promise us they're going to do this or that for us. And then, you know, after they win or lose, nobody really gives a fuck. Yeah, like it, it was actually quite striking how much um, it was one of those things where it was like, you know, maybe the Democrats are not so great. And again, I'm not saying I'm not saying they're worse than the Republicans, but you start going like, eh, the Democrats are sort of counting on these people's votes and they are just sort of getting fucked over, basically. Like, eh, the people win that we voted for, and now they just kind of forget about us because it's inconvenient to worry about people who are not doing super well. And they're also not major donors or the, you know, they're not the people that we're sucking up to. So, eh, we got their vote, check that box. Now we'll kind of focus on the people who are giving us money um, and the people who write letters and such. So I got that. And then the other thing that I got was the amount of people. And again, I can't emphasize this enough. These are Democrats, like consistent Democratic voters, high reliability voters that they're people who are they're targeting in van. Um, these people very often would tell me things like, you know, well, don't really trust her kind of feel like she's, and, and they, they said all kinds of things, which I don't think were fair. I mean, if you look at uh, Hillary, I don't think she is, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to say good things about her here just to be clear, but I don't think she's a criminal. I don't think she's, you know, like that. my, I, I know people who are Trump supporters who literally believe uh, that she has had like 50 people whacked. Somehow the number 50 is very, I, I feel like if you're gonna have a conspiracy theory, it's very important that you have a nice, largish, round number, um, because why not? Uh, it just sort of sounds better. But for him, it was like, yeah, she's, and it wasn't, it was an interesting thing, because it wasn't like, calling it a conspiracy theory implies that there's some uncertainty. In his mind, it was an absolute fact. Like, no doubt, this is true. Uh, and you listen to this and you're like, I don't even know how the fuck to, how, how do you even begin to put a little bit of sense into somebody who thinks something like that? And so, yeah, you get there and you're like, okay, this is where we are. And you, you talk to, again, Democrats and just the shit that they believed about her. They're like, eh, you know, and I got a lot of people who are like, well, she's not that much worse or not that much better. Yeah. Now, I'm, and again, I'm not saying, you know, but people's perception was that they're basically the same. This is another thing that really works in Trump's favor because people have, and this goes back to 
avoid even the appearance of impropriety because Democrats, you know, don't do that. And so you don't have any party where you can go, okay, these guys just by and large are ethical. They don't do this, they don't do that. You know, there's enough, there's enough smoke there. And now they may be better, but there's enough smoke there that people see that and they're like, well, yeah, Trump is terrible, but he's just doing what everybody else is doing out in the open. And, you know, now in terms of magnitude, that's absolutely not true. But in terms of sort of subjective sense, you can understand why people think it. And it's all of that for many, many years has led us to the point where someone as, as terrible as Trump could win. And you think about it also, like Trump is terrible, but he's obviously terrible. Imagine someone who was not. Imagine someone who was competent and who wasn't just a fucking moron. Um, and and I, again, I'm not saying Trump is like purely imbecilic. He obviously is somewhat of a savant in certain areas, like uh, being able to figure out how to just blather on about nonsense and work a crowd and get people to, to clap for him. But, yeah, I mean, part of it is I don't think he's the brightest bulb. Part of it is that he's obviously, I mean, you can you can just see and sense in him that He's never really faced a challenge that required a lot of true effort. Like everything that he's ever come up against has basically been something that he could lie his way out of, that he could uh, manipulate his way out of, file bankruptcy out of, things like this. And in contrast to this, I mean, just to go back to Hillary, she was super prepared. She has faced things and was ready. And she, I mean, you look at her getting grilled for 10 hours and just sort of sitting there and kind of taking it and being okay. Um, versus like Barr, who had a very, very brief, I don't even know if you'd want to call it a grilling, um, very brief questioning. And this was like the end of the world. You know, not fucking parody here. But that was that. Was that. And so we get back to the, the convention coming up and the party's platform and all of this stuff. And it just, the thing that kills me is like the things that I want, the things that I would like the Democrats to do are not radical. They're not like crazy leftist things that are so far out and in the margins that, uh, that you know, they're not conceivable. They are things like having healthcare that just brings us not even better than the rest of the world, but just a parody with where the rest of the world was decades, and in, in some cases, like a half century ago or more. Um, you know, that's not like, I don't even like the word progressive for this. This is like just basically like catching up to a minimal status that's not terrible. And I mean, you look at the other reason I think Medicare for all is not, you know, favored is and I think this is part of why um, Obama kind of, you know, before Super Tuesday, eh, sort of greased the wheels, shall we say, for Biden. Again, I don't think did anything overtly illegal, but he definitely, um, and this has actually been reported well, so this is not a crazy conspiracy theory. Um, he had people, and he personally, like, talked to Buttigieg and some of the other, you know, kind of contendery candidates, 
and basically told them to throw, you know, withdraw, throw your support behind, um, behind Joe, Uncle Joe. Um, yeah, and one, I think the reason for this, more than anything, is a little bit of ego and just like his signature piece of legislation, the ACA, which again, I, I can't emphasize enough, like people like to call it Obamacare, it's really Romney care. And I think it's more important to call it Romney care because I don't wanna give, you know, I, I like lots of things about Obama, but I don't wanna give him this as though it's like a great, you know, feat. There, there are things about the ACA that are good, like, uh, you know, not being able to deny, deny people insurance coverage because you have a pre-existing condition. Before the ACA, that was a terrible situation. But at the same time, you look at things like the ACA was basically written by the insurance industry. It has so much in it that is a gift to them. And it does have some things that, you know, like bring the minimal coverage up, but it also has a lot of things that are just fucked up and they're like twisted and weird. And Medicare for all would totally supplant that and make it irrelevant. Um, yeah, I, I can understand if you're like, um, oh, I'm, it's the ACA, it's Obamacare. Uh, yeah, I can understand not really wanting somebody to come in and say, hey, here's Medicare for all. It's a fuck ton better. Uh, and actually, even Republicans will like it once it's implemented. And they'll go like, how the fuck were we so opposed to this shit? Uh, I mean, it's one of these things, actually. Like, I, I, I talked a bit about this, but I, I've watched a lot of... I don't watch a ton of TV. But often when I'm working... Yeah, there are certain things I'm doing where I need to focus, but there are other things where it's kind of like you can have something on in the background and it's not too distracting. And in the process of that, I've come across a bunch of people who um, very often either had a boyfriend who was German or they're German and they had a boyfriend who was American. Uh, most of them were women. I think, you know, a couple of, ex I'm not sure why that is, it seems to be either that's what I landed on from the YouTube algorithm or they're more popular, but whatever it is, um, you know, girlfriend, woman whose girlfriend was Dutch. And so she moved to the Netherlands. I'm watching these things and across the board, what I noticed was they're all talking about, you know, like even the ones coming to America and saying good things about America, the healthcare and the taxes here are things that people talk about. And they're things that people don't really quite appreciate because you know, if, you, if your entire life is here and everyone in your circles has lived here, you don't have exposure to some of this stuff. And the, the problem is even if you travel, um, it's very possible and easy to travel and basically stay in a bubble wherever you are. When you're an exchange student and especially you know, you're, you're living somewhere and you're kind of embedded and you get to see day-to-day -day life uh, over the course of a semester, or ideally uh, at least a full year, you kind of get peaks at like, oh, the German healthcare system, actually pretty good. And you know, the, and Germany has private insurance and they have a mix of this kind of stuff. It's not, uh, it's not a pure like socialized medicine system, but yeah, um, one of the people that I was following or was watching, she got hit on her bike uh, going across, uh, you know, got just creamed by a car and she happened to have good insurance. And inc incidentally, she's talking about the, uh, they had a private insurance plan that would have sucked that she almost got funneled into. 
luckily she had help and got into the sort of public plan. Um, and it was an amazing experience compared to any kind of thing here. And you have people that start seeing this kind of stuff and also like seeing, well, okay, in the Netherlands, you pay more in taxes. In France, you pay more in taxes. But what do you get for those taxes? This is the thing that just fundamentally, it kills me because, okay, Nor Norquest, you can understand why he cares. He doesn't want to pay taxes. He's a greedy fucking bastard. Uh, you know, so just from a purely selfish perspective, and he's like, well, I already got all the public roads and all of the education and such. So, you know, like, fuck everybody else. I don't want to pay taxes. Get these people to sign a pledge. Yeah. You understand that. The fucking Democrats, though, and it, I, I totally include Biden here because, you know, like in the debates, don't want to raise taxes on the middle class. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, even, even Warren. I have such mixed feelings about Warren, but um, I, I was, there was a point in time, man, both a long time ago, like forever ago and not that long ago, I saw like the early Democratic debates where they had like 24 people. Um, you know, she's up there and she's talking about stuff and Bernie's talking about stuff and they're kind of like tag teaming the other air quotes centrist who are actually right of center candidates. Uh, it was, it was beautiful for a minute. But then she starts getting into this, well, we don't want to raise taxes on the middle class. I've got a plan where we're going to avoid that. And I, I don't know, it, it's, it so fucking sucks to not have somebody who... Because all you need to do, all you really need to do is sit there and say, okay, yes, we are going to raise taxes. And they're going to mostly be, you know, it, it will be proportional um, to how much you're making. And the burden will by and large fall on people with a shit ton of money. But, but we will raise taxes on the middle class. That kind of sucks. I understand why you don't like it. But in exchange for that, this private tax, healthcare, which if you include healthcare costs in as a tax, this is a thing where, um, this is one of the, the lies of privatization. If you include healthcare as a tax, we actually pay higher taxes than some of these countries where people are like, oh, they pay 70% taxes. It's so high. You know, we pay fucking high taxes. We just don't call it taxes. And our tax is going to private companies who have a like literally legal fiduciary obligation to maximize profit. They are companies that are not there to give you healthcare. Like a government-run program... You know, we've, we've all had bad experiences with government, but government programs are responsible to people. If you, you know, get the right people elected and in charge, the program can be made much better. You get the wrong people in, and they do things like force the post office to fully fund its pension for 75 years and a decade, which takes something that was actually profitable and running well and turns it into something which is just constantly running at a deficit, needs a huge influx of taxpayer money, and even then is behind. Uh, and, and then, you know, like you sabotage it in that way, and then a decade later, you're like, oh, well, they're, look at how shitty the post office is. Let's privatize it. Uh, it, it. This process, it's the same fucking thing like the Tories have done 
in the UK to the NHS. It's, it's, it's actually really depressing because the NHS is a great, when it's still actually better than what we have is the depressing thing, but it used to be much better. And when you look at the things that, uh, that it did and had, um, intentionally undermining that and trying to put it into private hands, which are going, instead of trying to optimize for outcomes and healthcare and quality of life and all of this, they're going to optimize for profit. Not only that, these are private entities that are going to end up siphoning off taxpayer dollars. This is really, I think, fundamentally, you know, all, all of the lies that Republicans tell about how they want to lower taxes and all this shit. Really what they want to do is not have the taxes go to some stupid public program like, you know, healthcare or whatever that is helping people. They want all of that money to come into their, either their pockets or their wealthy donors' pockets. That's fundamentally it. So, you know, you get back to this taxes thing. And saying that you're going to raise taxes should not be toxic. And again, I think, and, and I, I'm judging this based on these videos that I've seen of people who have traveled internationally and lived, other, lived in other countries, people start understanding pretty well, like, okay, you're paying more in taxes and you're getting a lot for it. Here, it's like, well, we can't have a middle-class tax raise even though it's going to offset this big fucking private tax and it's going to more than offset it, which means that, yeah, your taxes go up a little bit, but your healthcare costs go way the fuck down. And not only do your healthcare costs go down, you're not, if you lose your job, you're not going to lose your insurance. If you have a major disease, you're not going to go bankrupt. You're not going to go and have like millions of dollars of hospital bills that you can't pay. If you have a kid that's sick, or gets in a wreck or something, you're not going to be bankrupt. Like, I mean, the fact that people don't see this, partly it's because people don't bother doing research and learning about this stuff, but a lot of it is that the fucking Democrats aren't making the case. Make the fucking case. This is all I'm asking. Don't let Kizich get up there and tell you like, oh, well, I fucked up my party so much that I can't vote, I can't in good conscience vote for the guy who basically is the avatar of the party, by the way. Uh, and again, I always talk about my friend AJ for this because, you know, during the Republican primaries and like the, the, the debates and all this, 2015, 2016, he was telling me like, you know, well, you see how bad Trump is, but all the other guys are just, they're not like way better. They're like a half step behind him. They are... Trump with a nicer face. Yeah. And the stuff that, like, if you looked at the policies, basically indistinguishable. The thing that got Trump elected was that he basically said, well, I'm just going to be, uh, I'm going to take this list of activist judges and put them, you know, just give them nominations and we'll steamroll them through. Um, yeah. It's great. And again, the activist judge thing. This is another thing that, you know, it, 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 it it's staggering to me how much the Republicans like got that into the vernacular, into the language. They got people talking about it and thinking that that's just a problem uh, when it wasn't. And now, because they've done that, they've actually put people who are in just for the sake of twisting the laws. And they can do it and kind of say, well, yeah, well, the Democrats were doing it before. And in fairness, yeah, part of this is avoid even the appearance of impropriety and 
Part of it, to be fair, is that the Republicans are much better at marketing somehow than we are. And I say we, you know, I'll go on and off between associating myself with this party and not. And one thing I really wish is just that we had a political system that would allow for a variety of, of parties. The fact that, you know, basically you have, I mean, this is, people talk about like, well, if you're not voting for the Democrat, then you're basically de facto voting for Trump. This is a problem, like this is not the way it should be. This is, I mean, fundamentally, I guess it comes down to first past the post, but we should have a system where you could say, okay, Biden is like my fourth choice. And you know, I, my first choice is maybe Howie, or my, actually my first choice is Bernie, who's not running as a Democrat because he doesn't have to. Uh, my second choice is maybe Howie. You know, my third choice is some other person. And my fourth choice is Biden. Trump is not even in the running. Yeah. And here I'm using like a ranked choice system, but you could imagine if it was approval voting, you're like, okay, I'll take this guy, this guy, this guy, or this guy. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, imagine, imagine the world you could live in. And it's not just that if you didn't have this first past the post thing that forces us to basically have two parties and you have to make this kind of strategic decision, you could have many, many parties and you could have some party that, you know, just focuses on, it doesn't even matter what, but just some kind of niche thing that right now, you know, you have the two parties, the two parties, you're basically, you get the, the steak or you get the chicken. Now, the steak and the chicken come with a bunch of sides and a bunch of other things. You're not really, like you could, you could get the vegan meal, but you have to kind of bend out of your way to do it. And you're, you know, it's not really like, yeah, you don't have a lot of choice even then, but basically your choices are steak and chicken. And, you know, maybe you don't like this. Maybe you don't like that. Maybe you want this thing that's actually, you, you're getting the chicken, but the steak has something that's nice about it. And, and imagine actually, imagine the world we'd live in if, you know, there were Republicans that actually were conservative and you're like, okay, this person is actually somebody who, I could conceivably vote for, and they're not a terrible, malignant fucker. Uh, and I think I, I mean, there are a lot of reasons why we have this polarization. And part of it, it's an interesting thing because it's highly polarized, but also there is, in some sense, you know, there, there are certainly, again, I don't want to equate the two parties, never want to give this false equivalence, but there are a lot of things like the neoliberal consensus where both the Democrats and the Republicans kind of think government institutions should be run like businesses. Now there are exceptions like AOC, who again gets one minute at the convention, pre-recorded. But for the most part, you know, Pelosi is more archetypical and you know, this is just kind of like what they think. And you know, it, it, it's, it's frustrating because it's like, okay, you can get the steak or the chicken, but either way you're getting a bunch of the same sides. And I really, I really want the fish, but I can't get the fish because if I order the fish, I'm probably going to end up with steak, even though chicken is my second choice. And you know, it's like, it's, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm taking this, this metaphor too far, but it, it's just frustrating. And it is a moderating factor to have all of these parties. It's something also where, I mean, I guess it's complicated because if you, if you don't have a parliamentary system, you know, there's something, it's not just first past the post, 
you almost kind of need that as well, although it's not perfect either. It's, it's one of these, I've, I've talked about social choice theory and all of this. There's not like a great answer for it. And when you start going into the details, it's like, well, parliamentary system looks much better than ours, but it has all these other problems. You know, there's no like great system. Um, you know, I do, I do no longer think that ours is the best Ours is the, what is the, the quote? Ours is the worst of all possible, except for every other one. Uh, this is a nice kind of glib way of, you know, sucking your own dick, basically. Ours is not the best, yeah. But, yeah, even places where they have parliamentary systems, things are pretty fucked up. So, yeah, is that, and, and also to get, like, ending first past the post is something that we could conceivably do. Um, switching us over to a parliamentary system or something else requires essentially like a constitutional amendment. Probably not going to happen, you know? Not to say that it's impossible, but uh, very unlikely. Um, certainly also like a new, you know, if, if we had a constitutional convention, um, I, like at the moment, you could imagine certain things like free speech and <laughs> protections, like for a lot of the Bill of Rights. I would imagine if there was a constitutional convention today, there'd not be a guarantee that those things would uh, would get carried along. Um, it's, it's it's depressing and kind of scary, and especially given that again, going back to the Koch brothers, they've been really pushing for a constitutional convention to do lots of terrible things. Um, yeah, it's like don't even want to talk about it. But that being said, um, I just. I wish the Democrats would not be so fucking terrible about this. I mean, because I want to be, I want to, I want that team to be like a no-brainer. And it, especially like up against Trump, think about how bad you have to be to kind of like, like I can't fully commit. And every time, pretty much every time I kind of like almost have talked myself into it, they do something else that's like, come on people. This Medicare for all thing. Yeah, come on, just fucking come on. Wake up, do the right thing. The Green New Deal. Now there's an advisory committee, um, which AOC is on, and they've put a lot of the things that are in the Green New Deal in Biden's environmental plan. Uh, although even when you look at those, you know, they have, it's an interesting thing the way that uh, they're written because there are some bullets that are like, oh, we're going to have uh, you know, no uh, like carbon neutral, and then a little fine print uh, by, what is it, 2035. And you look at that and you're like, that actually looks good. And then you look at the details and you're like, oh, it's just for power generation. It's not for, uh, you know, not across the board. And then you're like, oh, for fuck's sake. And I mean, this has been, well, it's August now. This past July was the hottest July on record. And July statistically is about the hottest month of of the year, which means it's the hottest month on record. Yeah, you think about that and it's, I mean, you look at the Arctic and the Antarctic getting into temperatures which would be uncomfortable for me. Uh, well, I mean, I'm not saying it's like 50 degrees, but it's hot, you know, it's like in the 30s sometimes, not great. The fact that that's there and that's not like a crazy anomaly, uh, this is a bad sign. And again, you know, you, this should not be, like, when you look at this stuff and you look at the models, um, 
even in the best case, we're in pretty bad shape. And what's scary is like you see, they, they talk about, a lot of people will talk about like 2050 as you know, like a, a threshold. And you look at the graphs and they'll go up to 2050. And then you know, what they don't show is in the model, if you look at the graph, it's still, like, still for the most part going up and often a lot, like over the next you know, 100 years or so, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of horrifying actually. And especially when you start getting these things where you get a vicious cycle, um, you start getting hotter and all of these deposits where you have like methane gas just kind of embedded in the ice. Um, these start getting released. Methane is much more powerful as a greenhouse gas than CO2. So it's actually much worse than putting out a bunch of CO2. This is a, a thing like in terms of unintended consequences. Yeah, I was, uh, I was driving yesterday and there was a garbage truck and it said, you know, we run on clean natural gas. And on one hand, you're like, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's much better than diesel in some sense, at least locally. It's nice not to have these particulates kind of sitting there. But on the other hand, you're like, well, the methane that's leaking is worse than CO2 coming out of something by far. Um, is it contained very well? And to some extent in the supply chain it is, but then you look at things like this giant leak um, in LA that they had a while ago, and the amount of methane that came out there was just in fucking sane. Um, the, the other side of this is like, the pandemic has kind of shown us how much, you know, if you don't have a job where you physically need to be at work, you can really work from home for the most part. And I think this is most people you could work from home pretty comfortably. Yeah, it's nice to go to work and kind of have some chummy conversations with people, but for the most part, you don't need it. And if you don't need it, then you could pretty much eliminate, not all, but a fuck ton of vehicular traffic. Uh, you go to LA and it's, it's getting bad again, but there was a period earlier on in the, in the pandemic where it was just like, there's no fucking traffic here, what the fuck? Like, and I say, what the fuck? Like, you know, this is awesome. But LA, you know, it's, it's so trite to say that uh, traffic in LA is terrible, but it's one of those things where no matter how much you say it, no matter how much of a cliche it is, it's worse than you expect. Not that LA is the worst traffic in the world, there are certainly worse places, but it's really fucking bad and it's miserable. And you think all these vehicles are out on the road doing this stuff. They're dumping a bunch of um, shit into the air. And some of that shit is CO2. Some of that shit is other stuff that's not great. Um, reduces air quality. It's adding to, to climate change. Yeah, it's not great. But anyway, um, I've gone probably off. Well, I'm not sure that... The, fu the funny thing is I wanted to talk about Maya Angelou and her quote. That was the prompt for today, um, such as, as I have one. And the thing is, you know, like Trump has shown you, I, this is just going to be the button to, or the bow, I guess, to, to tie the thing up. Trump long ago showed you who he was. If you, if you voted for him in 2016 and you claim that you didn't know who he was, uh, you basically committed voting malpractice because you didn't have to do any research to know who he was. It's not like, uh, yeah. And, and it's, it's one of these things... The people who voted for him and claimed not to have known, I'm extremely skeptical of. 
the Democrats continually like keep looking at him and they're like, and I guess maybe part of this is just they, they're in disbelief and denial and they just don't want to think that he's as bad as he appears. But they're continually like making excuses for him and kind of like, well, maybe this time he's, you know, maybe he's doing this from some kind of strategic standpoint and it's not what it appears to be. Listen to the motherfucker. He's telling you, he's been telling you his whole fucking adult life. He's been telling you exactly who he is. Um, it's not, it's not a complicated thing. You know, it's one of the things that I find infuriating. Pelosi, she fucking tells you who she is. Yeah, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to make a false equivalence here, but the Democrats, not putting Medicare for all on the platform, they're telling you who they are. And again, I'm not saying don't vote for Biden, but I am saying hold them to fucking account and don't think that just because they are better than like the worst president, certainly in my lifetime and arguably in the history of the country, just because you're better than that doesn't mean you're good. Doesn't even mean you're acceptable. It just means that you're better than the worst person in the world. You know, and I'm not saying Trump is the worst person in the world, but he's pretty fucking bad. Uh, it just, like, hold people to fucking account. And especially also, you know, if you have choices in primary elections now and in the future, don't just vote for cinema. Like, in, when 2024 comes along, don't vote for cinema. Vote for whoever is actually a... You know, I hate the word progressive, but somebody who's actually like on the right side on these things and not somebody who's just sitting there like uh, placating donors and being whatever they think is going to get them elected. You know, I got to tell you, this, this is actually the last thing I'm going to say, but I was, uh, you know, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, certainly didn't have three of these on it, but I had a colonoscopy a week ago today and the weird thing was, I basically, I don't watch TV for the most part, and I certainly never see local news. I was in the waiting room, the news is on, and first, first off, the news, if, if you were watching this stuff, you'd be so either misinformed or disinformed, it was shocking. And this was not Fox, this was just like some local channel they had on. But also, through the whole thing, there's like a McSally commercial, I, I mean, these were on basically a loop. McSally, 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 Mark Kelly, Mark Kelly, Mark Kelly. And then they had uh, some Biden stuff and some anti-Biden stuff. And I got to tell you, like the McSally thing, if, if you got your news from these commercials, you'd be so just fucked in terms of making any kind of reasonable judgment because the McSally thing made Kelly look terrible. The Kelly thing made McSally look terrible. Objectively, by the way, McSally is terrible. Kelly is okay, you know, um, not great, but okay. And like, I can vote for him without any kind of hesitation, but not, not what I would love to see, but he's okay. Uh, but then the Biden commercial, and this was the thing I'm fucking nervous. Like, honestly, and, and again, not that I like Biden, but I see a lot of people who are like, Oh, Biden's going to be a slam dunk. Um, you know, again, worse odds, um, then Russian roulette is the current, if you go to the 538 2020 uh, election tracker stuff, his odds of winning are worse than winning Russian roulette. And again, think if Russian roulette is bad, um, is that it, if you would not play Russian roulette, you should not rest assured that Biden is a shoe in. 
Um, and, and incidentally, if you are a big Biden supporter or you're really into not having Trump get reelected, maybe go to JoeBiden.com. And if you go to the, uh, the hamburger menu, they have a little action center thing. And in there, there's text banking and phone banking for him. Do a little bit of that because it does help. And, uh, you know, I mean, you're not going to be canvassing for him, although if you were if you were able to. Yeah. But do those things. They're very low bars. And, yeah, he fucking needs every bit of help you can you can give him if he's going to win. And again, I'm not advocating him by any means. I'm not a fan. I don't like the motherfucker. Um, and I, I also like in a in a better in a better world, he would have been just his political career would have been over in like 1988 when he was just drummed out for just gross plagiarism. And I mean, you look at you look at this stuff and you're like, how do you go on to even be a senator after that, let alone vice president, let alone possibly the president? Um, it's, it's fucking disgusting. And again, much better than Trump, but the bar is low. The bar is fucking low. The bar should not be this low. So anyway, watching the, this, this will be the last thing. Watching, well, I wasn't really watching. The TV's behind me. I'm looking this way. But listening to Joe Biden talk, and this is not a Trump commercial. This was a Joe Biden commercial. Listening to him talk on that, it gave me like pangs of, oh shit. Because I'm listening to him speak and he's, and again, I, I got, I actually got in an argument with my mom about this, but you know, she's kind of arguing, oh, he's stuttering. This is not a stutter. I had a stutter when I was a kid. Stutter is like, you know, like a little, that you're literally stuttering. You're literally stuttering, stuttering, something like that. You get tripped up on your words. That is a stutter. He's slurring his words and you can hear in his commercial, you could hear that like his tongue is not moving properly or his mouth is not moving or something. Now, granted, he's had brain surgery. Maybe it's just, maybe it's not a cognitive thing, although I think he has cognitive issues as well. But you listen to that and I got to tell you, if I was somebody who was not informed and I saw that, first off, it eliminates any, like Trump should be obviously a bad choice just in terms of like cognition and like he's got some problems too. And almost anyone else you pick makes him, make, makes Trump look terrible in contrast. Now you have this guy who, again, in his commercial, not like a thing where it's edited together to make him look terrible, which I've seen commercials of that and it is horrifying. But in his personal commercial that his campaign put out and paid money to have us hear and see, it made my fucking sphincter clench. And not because I was about to have a big telescope stuck up it. It was like, oh shit. Yeah, that was, God, I, I fucking can't take another four years of Trump. But that was the moment where I was kind of like, yeah, this could go very, very badly. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's concerning. And I got to tell you, if you're, if you can listen to that and not hear what I'm hearing, I'm not looking for it. I'm not trying to hear it. It, I, I think you're basically delusional. Like, and I, I'm not saying like my mom is delusional, but I am saying you really, this gets back to the, the Maya quote and this will be the final bow. 
he's telling you, he's literally coming out and telling you something is wrong with me. I cannot speak correctly. And, you know, I, I get kind of confused and I certainly get tired. And also, you know, this is a, this is an aside, but I watched the, the one debate he had with Bernie and he lied. So, like the thing about his lies were that like when Trump lies, it's obvious that he's lying. He's not a good liar. Yeah, I, I think the one thing that Trump has going for him is that he tells lies that are so outrageous that I think people hear it and they're like, well, nobody would lie this brazenly. He must be telling the truth. Like people, again, ignore what he's, that he's literally telling them that he's lying. But Joe Biden was telling these just fucking whoppers. And the thing about them was the only reason I knew they were whoppers was because I happened to know the facts. And if I didn't know the facts and I just watched that debate, I would have believed him. You know, it would, the debate, if it wasn't for that, I would have thought he won the debate. That just, you know, like knowing that and having that background made me think, A, he lost the debate. And B, you know, he's so full of it. And it's actually horrifying because he's so full of it. And he can tell these lies with a straight face like, um, you know, like he's telling the truth. Um, it's, it's not good. It's not fucking good. So you have this guy and it's just like, I don't know. I, I find it excruciating that these are the choices that we have. And again, you know, like I, I keep seeing these memes like, um, you know, like the person you're voting for, it's like public transportation. It just needs to get you near where you're going. It's like, okay, we don't want to go too far down this analogy because Trump is like going to hell. I don't mean he personally is, but I mean, he's taking you there. Biden is not taking you where you want to be. He's actually kind of taking you out of the way. Um, the problem is you have two options, more or less. Neither one is good. And you want to go over here, but there's no play. There's there's no option to go there because that that train is uh, is shut down. Yeah, I, I I don't think it's a good analogy. That being said, and again, I am not encouraging you or discouraging you from voting anyway. You know, like even to the extent that I don't think I can vote for Biden, I would not tell anyone not to vote for him. Um, yeah, because he's gonna need all the help he can get. And this is just, it's such a fucked up situation. So, um, with that, it actually, like, I guess this is a call to action, but I keep talking about first past the post. We desperately, desperately need to end this thing. The, the embedded nature of politics that keeps these parties in power and prevents third parties from, from being a viable alternative um, that needs to end and it will ending that will actually make both of the parties better because at the moment if you're a conservative You're certainly probably not gonna vote for the Democrats. Although honestly the Democratic ticket Probably like if you were an 80s era Republican, that'd be your ticket. Yeah Obama and uh, Harris. That's that's your fucking Ronald Reagan Yeah, honestly, and I'm not saying that uh, glibly. If you're a conservative you probably end up, um, well, I, I hate the word conservative because I don't think they actually are, but most people who kind of are on that leaning go Republican. If you had viable third parties or you had other options, the fucking Republican party would go, oh shit, we need to actually do things to compete because we can no longer just cheat to win and we can no longer count on people 
voting for us because they're not going to vote for these guys because they can vote for this other thing. And the Democrats also would be much better because now, like right now, if you're me, what am I going to do? Like, honestly, and especially if, it, if it's close, it's like, you know, you have the Trump gun to your head or you have Obama, Biden kind of like, you know, you're like, I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. I love Obama. Really, I have a lot of misgivings about him, um, but he's also got some good stuff too. But yeah, pushing this guy through and giving us, uh, it just, it's like, it's such a shitty situation. But imagine if the Democrats actually had to go, hey, Scott, you know, I, I know now you can actually vote for the Greens or you can vote for some other party. We need to compete and actually not be shitty, not just be corporate, like, you know, not just kowtow to our donors. Um, you know, we'll try to do things to actually get you to vote for us rather than just like, you know, you, you basically, I, I mean, I'm not saying that the Democrats are a terrorist organization, but basically put us in a situation where you have Biden, who I find unacceptable. And then you have Trump, who is so far beyond acceptable that, you know, I mean, it's like literally like a terrorist saying, I'm going to blow up this bus full of children if you don't vote for Biden. Well, thank you. Thank you. That's the situation I want to be in. I don't want to be in that situation. I want to be in the place where I can go, you know, I can vote for Howie and not feel like I've just let the terrorist blow up the, the bus full of children. Yeah. Call me crazy. I don't like being in this position. I don't like that the, there's this guy, the mad bomber, going to do this. And I also don't like the terrorist using that as leverage for me to do something that I find unethical and immoral. And so with that, um, as always, I think this has been a pretty long one, actually. Uh, apologies for that if you made it through. Thank you. Um, just kind of cringing a little bit. But thanks again, and uh, say Jen.